Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Phenomenal. See, this is the difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be skate. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig?
August 25th, 2022. I am Therese Garnier sitting in for Roland today. And here's what's coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on Black Star Network. Since the, uh, since the pandemic and the recessions in, black women and men are seeing significant increases in employment and labor force participation. Well, earlier today, I got to speak with Joel Gamble, chief economist from the U.S. Department of Labor, about the latest report from the Council of Economic Advisors on the pandemic shifts in black employment and wages. Los Angeles County will be paying out millions to Kobe Bryant's widow. A jury agreed that she and another family will continue to suffer severe emotional distress because sheriff's deputies, they took some photos of their loved ones after the 2020 crash of Bryant, uh, his daughter, and seven other people with their cell phones. And black doctors are being fired from hospitals and schools at an alarming rate. Well, I'll talk to two doctors who want to bring awareness with a call to action. We also have a Roland Martin unfiltered exclusive. A black South Carolina woman gets threatened by two white men as she's just outside minding her own business cutting her grass. And it's all on video, but the cops did absolutely nothing. Well, she'll be on later in the show to explain what happened in her first interview since the incident. And today is the beginning of National Black Breastfeeding Week, and we'll talk about the benefits of breastfeeding. Well, guys, you know what time it is. It is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to America, and I can say no one can say that the pandemic did not negatively impact them in some way. Well, for black Americans, some felt the pandemic pushed them back even further. For example, the unemployment rate for black workers peaked at 16.8% in May of 2020, which was higher than the overall employment rate that peaked at 14.7% in April of 2020. And since then, the U.S. labor market has rebounded. Black women and men have seen some employment and labor force participation gains. And earlier today, I spoke with Joelle Gamble about the new CEA analysis of pandemic shifts in black employment and wages. Here's what that conversation looks like. As you know, there's some a lot of news coming out today and specifically when it comes to employment and wages. So I just wanted to jump right on in and, and, and ask you, what does the new CEO analysis conclude about the pandemic shifts in black employment and wages? Yes, so every month we get new jobs numbers and the media often reports on the top line job number, right? So in July, we added over 500,000 jobs to the US economy. But what's important um, from the analysis done by the President's Council of Economic Advisors is that actually black workers are doing particularly well in this recovery. So black employment and black labor force participation have risen faster in this labor market recovery than they have in the past three recoveries. 
And, and I actually have some stats that I want to ask you about. Um, some of the stats I found stated that black women and men have seen larger rises in employment and labor force participation since uh, the recessions end um, than the average over the overall average. Um, this also includes their labor market recovery that's occurring at a faster pace than it did during the previous three business cycles, which would be in 1990, 2001, and also 2007. So I want to ask you, what do you feel or think contributes to this? Yeah, so that's not a normal phenomenon, right? Um, frankly, you know, in a lot of economic recoveries, black workers are often the last to fully benefit. And I think that part of what is important about this story is that we have built through a strong federal policy response, a labor market recovery that's truly benefiting black people. Uh, the, the American Rescue Plan um, was really important to keeping folks' incomes you know, relatively high, which allowed them to spend money and spending money in this economy means creating jobs. Not only that, you know, we are really focused on empowering workers and making sure that they have choice in this labor market. So black workers are not just getting jobs faster, they're also switching into jobs that are higher paying. And that's a, a very good uh, point that you make there. Um, some of the analysis, the CEA's analysis shows that re recent wage growth for black workers is stronger than that of the workforce as a whole, and it's slightly outpacing inflation. So can you explain why this may be the case? Yes, so I think it is really a, par a part of the overall you know, goal that this administration has to build a labor market recovery that centers workers. And when you build a labor market recovery that centers workers and all workers, particularly black workers who are not always the center of economic policy, you know, they start to see more opportunities to take advantage of a labor market where employers are really looking to hire workers and, and, and get those jobs, frankly, and to switch out of occupations that don't pay as well and switch into occupations that pay better. And by being able to switch to a job that pays better than your last job, or get a job faster than you would have otherwise in a recovery, you are able to get faster wage growth. And so we're seeing that for a lot of black workers where they're seeing real wage growth. Like you said, that means wage growth that is outpacing inflation. So their paychecks are expanding faster than inflation. I love that. Who doesn't want to get paid more money? Who <laughs> <laughs> wants to make more money? Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I just wanted to add that I think that this is important too in relative terms. So you know, the black white unemployment gap is actually closing faster than in, in prior recoveries. So there's always been a gap between the white unemployment rate and the black unemployment rate, frankly, the Hispanic unemployment rate and the white unemployment rate too. But that gap is closing faster and has been closing really fast under President Biden. And so that's also important that, you know, we're seeing an opportunity for a little bit of closing of that gap. There's still more work to do to close that gap completely, but there are signs of progress. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us and explaining that to us. So that's definitely a bonus and we're getting better jobs, we're getting better pay. I mean, this is, especially following a pandemic, this is great, great news. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's bring in our panelists so we can hear their thoughts on this. Right now we have joining us Erica Savage, the founder of Reframe Brain. We also have Reese Colbert, uh, the founder of Black Women Views. And we also have Terrain Walker, the founder of Context Media. Thank you all for joining us. How are y'all doing today? Good. Thank you. Great. Excellent. One more day till Friday. But until we get to that conversation, we're going to have Erica start us off with what are your thoughts on what Joel had just said a little bit earlier? 
Yeah, so um, so glad to see you in the host seat again. You did great the other day. Um, and I, you know, that is a really good report to hear. And I love that she underscored this is as a result of the Biden-Harris administration. And she brought up the American Rescue Act. That was one of the first big pieces of um, legislation that that administration brought in when they came into office January 2021. If I'm not mistaken, that was signed into law. Um, in March uh, of 2021, Reese with the receipts can uh, definitely make sure that I'm correct on that. But that did, we saw that that put money into the pockets of black families and especially those with children as well um, to include those that had more than one child. And so I think that this is important to see because we're in a space and age where there's instantaneous results. Well, this data needed to be quantified. And so now we're seeing a year later, the results and really the um, great economic gains that were brought in by uh, the Biden-Harris administration with the American Rescue Act and all that it afforded uh, to communities, communities, but especially black communities. One thing I do want to highlight is that um, in this specific reading, I was glad to see that they did mention that um, black Americans still do face challenges. And that is very much so specific to what we talked about on last week when we talked about um, black Women Equity Payday. We had Dr. Avis Jones, the Weaver, on, and she walked through us, uh, th through with us as having been a part of some of the most preeminent think tanks here in D.C. and um, a um, multi-hyphenated uh, entrepreneur that the data that she'd read and the reports that she'd written um, over uh, a decade time span with respect to the state of the black, state of the black woman that she'd not seen in all of her years of collecting and reading through that data to see that Black Women's Equity Payday did not fall in August, but September 21st. So we're talking about a full 19 months to make what a white man would make um, in the year preceding. So I think that that is something to really um, keep at top of mind and to also know that Black Americans do, um, unfortunately, still do overrepresent in healthcare and in uh, those uh, service job industries. However, that American Rescue Act, that piece of legislation did in fact help to um, close the gap, uh, uh, as Joelle mentioned in um, your previous conversation with her. So I think that those are really good things for people to keep top of mind when we're thinking about um, when people say that there's nothing that this administration is doing for the black community, uh, that is uh, yet another strike to say that, yes, in fact, they are um, doing those things. Hmm. Reese, what's your thoughts? Well, Erica laid out a whole lot of information. So thank you, sis, as always. Uh, but you know, one thing I just want to highlight is that uh, this outcome was not inevitable. During the election, um, there was uh, Moody's analysis and other economic analysis that showed the difference between how how quickly we would get to full employment and wage growth and recovery under the Biden-Harris plan as opposed to the Trump-Pence uh, plan. And Biden-Harris have actually exceeded those even those estimates, and we have returned to full employment years beforehand. And that is a result of the policies of this administration, and not just what's gone through Congress, but also through executive authority. The Treasury Department has its first ever Black Deputy Treasury Secretary, Ariamo. 
Um, and uh, and he, uh, you know, is part of driving that forward, as well as the uh, Treasury Secretary. The Biden-Harris administration laid out a number of equity, um, uh, you know, platforms that they are pushing through every aspect of the administration. And so I just want people to understand that I, I get that some people think that, well, you're comparing uh, pandemic numbers to post-pandemic, even though we're still in the pandemic numbers. But the reality is that good policy results in equity and advancement for our community. Mm. Very valid point. Terrain? Um, first of all, I want to say that I'm really glad to see um, Black workers getting a bump in their wages and being fearless enough to move into different jobs. I think a couple of things are happening here. Um, we are, as you mentioned at the top of the show, we're coming out of a pandemic. And I think because of that pandemic, a lot of black workers realized that they didn't have to settle for anything or just have to take any job to, to, to make ends meet. True, there was a lot of struggle. There was a lot of issues. But I think having their backs against the wall made a lot of black people realize that, you know what, I'm at a point in my life where these are totally new circumstances. And if I want to branch out of what I've been doing, and I don't have to settle for anything, I can do that. And I think that's what happened. And I think that's why you're seeing in the data that a lot, there's been a lot of bumps in um, higher wages for um, in different uh, industries and a lot of black workers moving into higher industries. Another thing I think that um, is happening is that you're having a younger workforce move into play now because you're having people who are graduating from college and graduating from grad school moving into the workforce. And a lot of them are younger and a lot of them have grown up with seeing different options outside of what their parents and maybe their grandparents saw so they're saying that, look, I don't have to go into a blue college if I don't want to, although there's nothing wrong with that, and we've seen some gains in that. But there's other higher earning jobs that I can move into, either in the tech industry or in um, you know, STEM or other fields. And I think that's what you're seeing as well. You're seeing a jump from one generation into another with a lot of tools built, give, given to them by technology that they're using to advance themselves a little bit better than previous generations. So I'm all for it. You know what I found very interesting? Um, one of the things that I read uh, stated that occupations with noticeable declines in black worker shares included transportation supervisors, clinical technicians, and child care workers. Um, would you like to give your thoughts on why that may be the case? Yeah, I think it really goes back to what Terrain was just saying. I mean, those are positions that are normally low-wage positions. And then, unfortunately, we do have to recognize that a lot of women were forced out of the workforce uh, as a result of the pandemic. So, you know, not that they're really gender roles with relationship to caring for women. We see that across the board. But by and large, we've um, traditionally seen that along the lines of women, particularly those that are leading households. So um, and then you talked about the transportation piece. You know, we're continually to um, move into places where, you know, maybe some of the people that um, are merged, who are transportation workers are maybe picking up those positions without necessarily the pay. So I think those are um, a few, couple of the things that we're seeing with regard uh, to what you mentioned. Hmm. Reese, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, those are basically frontline worker positions. And I think as Erica pointed out, if you look at the gender, not uh, roles, but the way that gender, you know, women versus men are disproportionately in certain fields, a lot of black women are forced to be caregivers. And so they had to take on those roles um, throughout the pandemic. You know, also, um, 
there's just a shortage of, 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 of child health care workers. There's a shortage of teachers as well. I mean, in, in Maryland, there are, in one county in Maryland, Montgomery County, there are over 100 teachers short. Um, going into the new school year throughout the country, they're experiencing this. And a lot of that is because of the way that this pandemic has burned people out. Erica talks about this all the time on her Reframe Brain podcast. There's a burnout. There's a, it's a thankless job. It's low wages. And as Terrain pointed out, there are other options out there. It's a tight labor force. People can go into more remote work positions. They can go into positions that have more flexibility. And I think that black people are taking advantage. You know, Reese, thank you for bringing that up about teacher shortages, because we will be having a segment on our show tomorrow in regards to that very topic. So thank you for teasing that for us. Um, <laughs> now, Terrain, I have this question for you. Um, now, in 2019, black workers on average were paid $24.83 an hour. That's gone up to $25.53 an hour, which is a 2.8% rise. Explain to the viewers why that's important. Um, I think it's important for two reasons. Um, the first is that there is, as we've been talking about, a shortage of workers. Um, a lot of businesses are desperate to get people to come in and, you know, get, but for lack of a better term, boots on the ground to actually do physical labor and do hard work and work. The other part of that is um, a lot of these corporations have been very stingy and they've been very, um, very, um, yeah, for lack of a better term, just stingy about how they've been um, focusing on pay. And I think the fact that when you saw the pandemic get really bad, you saw fast food places started giving $16 an hour minimum and everything when they could have done that 10, 15 years ago. You know, sometimes it takes having an empty store to make you realize that, hey, maybe I need to pay people what they're worth. And I think that has branched out from fast food and the other um, places like service and retail and hotel work. So I think what you're seeing is just the market and you're seeing the economy start to adjust itself to the fact that if you want people to come to work, you have to pay them what they're worth. That's very true. Ladies, do you have any comments on that? Reese or Erica? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think everything, you know, I co-sign everything Terrain just said would result to that, pay people what they work. And I think that it's really, really sad that it took um, not only the pandemic, but then seeing that even as people, we had a, a vaccine that was available, boosters that were available, and people start going back outside, that there were just some businesses that people were not patronizing again. I mean, you could go down on 14th Street any day in D.C., and you would see the food trucks, and I mean, you would stand in line for your favorite food truck. Well, you know, post-pandemic and forward in the pandemic, as we are year, year three of the pandemic, you know, we've seen that those people that had those food trucks really still continue to struggle because that foot traffic from people being in office coming out to the food trucks wasn't there. So, yeah, I think for folks that are in those service industry jobs that are doing the work that really helps for people who have short time and want to feed themselves or family or drive Ubers or things of that nature, uh, make sure that those folks are taken care of. They're not getting tips. Um, minimum wage is not enough. And a lot of times these people are not only taking care of themselves, but multi-generational families. So absolutely pay people um, what they're worth for what they do, especially since CEOs came out as billionaires and trillionaires um, 2020 up until this present year. What I'm happy about is that we as a community are coming together and saying, no, we're not going to accept jobs that we don't feel comfortable with. We're not going to accept jobs that aren't paying us what we feel we are worth. So I'm glad that people started to realize that and are implementing that now, you know, and they're, they're understanding the importance of having work-life balance and being paid what you're worth. Um, and so that's very, very important. Uh, Reese, do you have any thoughts? 
Yeah, I just I just want to say, you know, a lot of emphasis is put on inflation. A lot of emphasis is put on gas prices, and those are very valid points. But I do think that when we have clear data, like what we're seeing in terms of labor force participation, what we're seeing in terms of wages going up, also what I want to bring up is the fact that there's record um, health care subsidies as a result of the American Rescue Plan, as a result of the actions that the Biden-Harris administration has taken to get more people insured, disproportionately benefiting Black people. So there are a lot of ways where people are getting a leg up in this new economy under this new administration and are bringing home more pay. Now, I get that it's being eroded in some cases, but if you're paying less for your health care now with the Inflation um, Reduction Act, there are people going to be saving thousands of dollars in medical expenses and prescription drugs expenses. There are so many ways that we are tangibly benefiting from the policies of this administration. I don't say that to be a cheerleader for it, but just to say that we have an election coming up and there are clear differences in terms of the economic platforms, in terms of the healthcare platforms with Republicans who want to turn um, Ron Johnson, a, a, a senator in Wisconsin, who is up for election, has proposed, and Marco Rubio, another person who's up for election against black candidates, I might add, want to uh, tr translate our convert entitlements such as Social Security and Medicare into discretionary spending. So a lot is on the line, and I just encourage people, I know that we're not always satisfied with a little bit of progress or inching up here and there, but let's just also evaluate what's being done on the Democratic side as opposed to what's being proposed on the Republican side. And I can guarantee you, you'll see that they have nothing but regressive policies that not only attack our citizenship, but will take us back in terms of our wages, in terms of our protections, and in terms of our health care and body autonomy. Mm. That's a good note to end on because we have to go to a break right now. But for those who are just now tuning in, this is Roland Martin Unfiltered on Black Star Network. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine together. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We are black beyond measure. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Together, we are black beyond measure. Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation. 
only on the Black Star Network. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. I'm Shantae Moore. Hi, I'm B.B. Winans. Hey, I'm Donnie Simpson. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Barber Jr. disappeared in Chesapeake, Virginia on August 18, 2022. The 14-year-old is 5-foot tall, weighs 130 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. Anyone with any information about Alligator Barber Jr. should call the Chesapeake, Virginia Police Department at 757-382-6161. Again, that's 757-382-6161. Now, the Los Angeles County Sheriff and Fire Department will have to shell out over 30 million for taking and sharing photos of the crash that killed Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and seven others. The jury awarded the plaintiffs Vanessa Bryant 16 million and 15 million to Chris Chester, who lost his wife and daughter in the crash. Now, the lawsuit was based on unethical pictures taken of Vanessa's husband, Kobe Bryant, and her daughter, Gianna Bryant, after they died in the January 2022 helicopter crash. Joining us right now from our panel, um, I want to get their thoughts on this. Um, we have Erica, Reese, and Terrain. Um, Erica, tell me what your thoughts are on them winning this lawsuit. You know, first and foremost, I am completely disgusted and that they were not in rapid order, arrested, jailed, um, is amazing to me. It says all that we need to know about the slave patrol and the legacy of that. Um, you know, when you look at trauma and its ripple effects and what Mrs. Bryant and the family of Kobe Bryant will have to live with, this is not something that happens um, in a truncated amount of time. This is a lifelong journey of moving forward without a husband, a father of a um, global figure. And so to, on top of that, have to deal with, honestly, the legacy of slavery. Uh, the One of the first things that I thought back to is um, historically how after lynchings, um, and even when there weren't lynchings, uh, just thinking about the traumas that were, um, that black bodies um, have had in historically for centuries and still endure, but, you know, lynchings where there were photographs taken and they were made into postcards um, and the, those postcards were um, sent throughout the mail that there would be children that would be present at those hangings and that those lynchings that 
um, even um, parts of bodies of black people um, were kept as heirlooms and passed down through families. That it, that's what it immediately brought me to. So, you know, we're continuing to see a legacy of people who have no conscience of the humanity of black people. Um, I think that the judgment is really a drop in the bucket to what somebody now has that is living on their phone, that's living on a cloud server somewhere, that they're continuing to pass around and who knows do what with, but that these people have not been in rapid order again, charged and arrested and having to do serious jail time, to me is an injustice in and of itself. And you know what, that was the first question that popped in my head as well, what happened to these deputies. Now, I would like to preface this with um, a TMZ reporting that stated that at least eight of the uh, sheriff's deputies took uh, photos of the crash site with their personal cell phones, but they deleted the photos and they also got brand new cell phones. And so supposedly these photos can no longer be shared, but is that enough? That, that should not be enough. So I'm going to actually go to Terrain. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I agree with everything Erica said, and I want to add this as well. There is a, there's a mentality in America that's been in effect ever since we got to these shores that you don't have to really respect the autonomy or you don't have to respect mm -hmm. the dignity of black bodies. And I think what you see mm -hmm. with this case and what you see with what happened after um, the death of Kobe and Gianna was this sort of feeding frenzy tied to a couple of things. Again, one was that disregard for black bodies and also money. What people haven't talked about is the fact that these sort of things are very lucrative. You know, if you can get a picture of death, if you can get a picture of a celebrity death, if you can get a picture of any kind of celebrity, either misdeed or something that happens to a celebrity, there are websites out there and there are um, newspapers out there and there are magazines out there that are willing to pay you huge sums of money for this sort of thing. We saw this with the death of um, Princess Diana back in the 90s. And this is what you're seeing now is just a continuation of that. The other part of that is this. Um, I think there's also, because of that greed and because of that obsession with trying to get paid off of getting some sort of uh, issue of a, a picture of celebrity, that has left a lot of decency and there's a lack of human decency out here in this culture right now. Um, some of y'all might remember, I don't know where you, a lot of you grew up from, but like in the South, there used to be a thing where like if a funeral passed you by, people would stop their cars and let the funeral pass by. Mm -hmm. there's, this, yeah. there's, this, there's, this disregard, there's this basic disregard for human dignity that you're seeing in this Kobe case is playing out. And when you, like I said, when you factor that in with money and the fact that you can get paid for showing this lack, this human, this lack of human decency, anything goes. So I'm, I'm glad that this um, decision came down. I'm actually kind of surprised it came down. Um, you know, the LAPD and a lot of these sheriff's departments will fight you tooth and nail to pay out anything. So I think the fact that it was a very famous, world-famous person and the fact that his wife was dogged about not letting this go is why we got what we got. And I think it's going to be a harbinger of things to come because this is just one case. This sort of thing happens all the time, and I think it's going to make a lot of outlets wake up and realize that you're going to have to move in a different way. The blatant disrespect of those who have passed away, um, a lot of people are thinking about that, but also we have to keep in mind those who are still living. Um, remember, the verdict for this lawsuit came down literally the day after Kobe's birthday. So his family was celebrating his birthday and then had to go into court the next day and hear this, this verdict come about. And I can't imagine, you know, if they really were able to give it the respect and the love and the dedicated time to it because 
they had to go deal with this situation the following day. So it's, you know, it's not just the disrespect of those who passed, but also those who are living and still dealing and grieving with that. Um, Reese, what are your thoughts? Well, I think, number one, you have to be a sick fuck to sit up there and try to take pictures of charred bodies from a police, uh, from a plane crash. So it's disgusting. If Dr. Carr were here, he would say no humans involved when we're talking about the LAPD. Mm. And as Terrain and Erica pointed out, you know, part of that is because these are black bodies involved. But when you're a white victim, instead of the whiteness and the privilege behind that extending to the black bodies, you get the proximate uh, uh, drawbacks of being, you know, next to black bodies because there were white families that were victimized by this as well. And to your point, um, part of the damages were for future pain and suffering because this is going to compound their grief and the trauma that they will never be able to get over. So I think that it's, 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 it's some measure of justice it's not full justice. And I don't know if anybody's going to learn their lesson from this, but I, I just hope that it brings some level of comfort to the Brian and the, and the other victims' families. I don't know if you guys remember when uh, Aaliyah died in the plane crash mm -hmm. coming back from the, her video shoot. There were photos littering the internet of her body. Mm. I still oh. to this day, I'm picturing it as I'm saying it. Those are things you cannot unsee. And I was a mm. teenager when that happened. I mean, I couldn't imagine this family seeing those images of their loved ones. No one wants to remember their loved ones like that. You know, um, and, and especially in like Aaliyah's family's um, in, in that situation, you know, those, those images are still online. Um, but I would like to point out, though, that um, Governor Newsom did sign a uh, privacy bill in September of 2020, um, which he called the Kobe Bryant um, Act, which was making it illegal for first responders to take photos like these individuals did unless they need them for law enforcement. But even then, still, they have forensic teams. You see them out there. Mm -hmm. You see CSI. They come out and they take their photos. Let them do that. You know, I really right. don't feel there's a need. Uh, for officers to do that, especially if they have body cameras, too. There's no need for that. Mm -hmm. So um, that's my little tangent on um, that topic. Um, but we're going to go to our next topic, which is also um, a, a very sad, uh, evolving around a very sad shooting that happened in Texas. Um, in Texas, uh, the Uvalde School District Police Chief was fired on Wednesday. Chief Pete Arandondo was accused of making several critical mistakes during the tw May 24th mass shooting at Robb Elementary School that left 19 students and two teachers dead. Now, the Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District Board of Trustees voted unanimously to dismiss Arandondo's three months um, to the day uh, of one of the deadliest classroom shootings in U.S. history. Now, Arandondo was heavily criticized for not ordering officers to act sooner as the 18-year-old slaughtered students and teachers. Arandondo is the first officer dismissed over the, hesitant, over the hesitant and fumbling law enforcement response to the tragedy and has been on leave since June 2022. Now, let's go back to our panelists. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, this individual being uh, fired from his position? It's three months too late. And even thinking about those 19 babies, I mean, you're talking about nine, eight, nine, and 10-year-old babies that were slaughtered, the way that their families were kept from going in the building, trying to do something to save their children's lives. And just to think about these slave patrol folk who have no issue with 
assuming guilt and executing black people. And that's black children, that's black women, men, and that's black seniors without hesitancy, lest we forget Breonna Taylor. Um, so that they had this hesitancy, that they had the um, type of machinery that I've only been accustomed to seeing when I was in the military, that that had these military-grade um, firearms and waited, um, literally waited, um, over an hour to go in to take out one gunman who with pleasure slaughtered eight, 19 babies and then two adults and the carnage that has unfolded after that, which will continue to reverberate for those families in the community at large for years to come. So, you know, it, it, the things that we continue to see from really folks who, um, you know, who are really saying, well, who gonna check me, boo? Because I feel like that is what law enforcement says every damn day of the week. Who gonna check me, boo? Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he has been justly fired, but I'm wondering if he was being paid for these three months. Um, I'm wondering if he has a, a nice retirement package. I'm now wondering if he is going to fold this over and run into office. I mean, these are really sick things um, that we continue to see folks like this. They really capitalize off of um, these real failures to communities that they are supposed to be um, as tax paying, as tax paying, as servants of communities and paid by our tax dollars, um, it, how they're going to capitalize off of this. So um, my heart goes out to those families that continue to have to live through disheartening news of the failures of people who are paid by their tax dollars um, and still have to mourn the loss of um, what could have been their future. Mm. Uh, Terrain, your thoughts? I'm actually surprised that he um, resigned before he got fired. Um, you know, I've covered a lot of um, police activity and protests and covering like demonstrations and things like that. And I can say that when police forces and police departments are um, faced with unarmed people and when they're faced with unarmed people who are voicing their opinions, they don't move like that. So on the one hand, obviously it's, it's, it's horrific that this tragedy had to unfold the way it did. But if anything came out of this that the rest of the public can see is that a lot of these, this propaganda and a lot of these myths about American policing that we've been fed are false. Because you had our heavily armed um, police officers standing outside, afraid to move in to neutralize an active shooter who was endangering and taking the lives of young children. We are fed a lot of ideas and we're fed a lot of propaganda about how police are always the heroes and always the good guys and they're always ready to move in the harm's way when there's a real threat. This video and countless videos like that show that that's not really the case in a lot of times. That's not saying every police department, that's not saying every police officer, but this was a gross dereliction of duty. It was gross negligence and it was ridiculous to see these children be slaughtered when there were active first responders in the building who would not move on that. It doesn't make any sense because you see all this the funding of the police that happens. Police are getting military grade hardware. They're getting armored vehicles. They're getting um, vests. They're getting Kevlar. They're getting basically, like I said, military-grade vests and military-grade um, equipment, and they're not using that equipment to go move in and neutralize the threat to children. But they had lots of time to sit out there and push back families and uh, throw uh, concerned parents to the ground. So I think that what had to happen had to happen. And my hope is that this sparks a further conversation about the need for militarizing the police 
and really, really training these people to move in the way that they're supposed to. Hmm. Good point. Uh, Reese. we haven't heard from you. Yeah, I mean, I, I know he resigned from a, a position in the city council, but he was fired here. And I just think it's disgraceful that he even needed to be fired because he shouldn't have been able to look his punk ass in the face knowing the kind of dereliction of duty he had that day. But it shouldn't be just him getting fired. The person who stopped for hand sanitizer in the halls while there are children who were cloaked in their, their classmates' blood to try to play dead, he needs to be fired. The cops that were out there tackling and harassing the parents who were trying to get to their children, who had more gusto and more bravery than any of those hundreds of officers mm -hmm. that were on the scene, their asses need to be fired. Matter of fact, they should just disband the whole doggone police force there and start over with the parents who had more guts than them. Let them try being the police officers and actually bringing some safety to that school because every single one of those police officers failed that day point blank in the period. There's always going to be a fall guy. He deserves every bit of punishment that he's getting, but it is not nearly enough. And he should be banned, not that you could do this, but he should be banned from serving anywhere. He was already demoted years earlier from another position that he was in. And these cops, unfortunately, can just go on to the next department, move miles down the road, move to another city, state, and go on about their business. But his name should live in shame and infamy to where he is unhirable from here on out. And you're right, it happens far too many times. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. 
you know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe you can even have health lock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills to date health lock has helped its members save over 130 million dollars bottom line insurance alone isn't enough to save visit healthlock.com do it today before you see another health care provider that's healthlock.com where police officers mess up and they just go to a different department you know and then they're still in this position even though they're messing up they they've got to fix these these problems but on that note we do have to take it to a break we you are watching roland martin unfiltered we'll, we'll be right back don't go anywhere We're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing, creating, making moves that move us all forward. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, our kids are going back to school. After two years of disruption, thanks to COVID, are we ready? How to help them to prepare and what are the warning signs that our children are showing us? Social, emotional, physical, all of these stressors and anxieties will be impacting our children. They'll be facing new challenges, anxieties, and emotions, and the adults in their lives need to figure out how to pull themselves together so that our kids will be able to do the same. Adults need to be paying closer attention now more so than ever. This generation who feels like they're unguided, we need to provide that guidance. That's next on A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, here at Black Star Network. is a black-owned men's grooming company that delivers on this promise every day to men everywhere. Everything we do, every product we make, is designed to help you to present your best self. It's a promise they've kept since 1991 when they first introduced the Bump Patrol brand, the number one men's product for a smooth, bump-free shave and silky skin. Millions of cu uh, customers count on their exceptional skincare products which can be found at more than 30,000 retail stores in more than 50 countries around the world. Now you can have exceptional beard and skincare products that are as unique as you. Fellas, as we prepare to head back out into the world as COVID restrictions are being lifted, it's time to get our groove back. You can visit patrolgrooming.com to order a patrol grooming box 
And do this, use the discount code, hashtag Roland30, that's hashtag R-O-L-A-N-D-3-0 for a 30% discount at the checkout. We appreciate Patrol Grooming being a partner with us here at Roland Martin Unfiltered and the Black Star Network. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Hello, I'm Bishop TDJ. Hi, y'all doing? It's your favorite funny girl, Amanda Seals. Hi, I'm Anthony Brown from Anthony Brown and Group Therapy. What up, Lana Well, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Did you know that only 5% of resident physicians in the U.S. are black, but they make up 20% of dismissals from training programs? Well, tomorrow, there's a kickoff demonstration to raise awareness about the unjust dismissals of black doctors and trainees across the country. Now, here to tell us more about this are Drs. Aisha Kuru and Vanessa Grubbs from Los Angeles. Thank you both for joining us. How are y'all doing today? Good to be here. Thank you. And you are in sunny, sunny, I'm assuming it's sunny there, but you're in warm, sunny California. It's kind of rainy and groggy here. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, this demonstration and what you both are doing to raise awareness. And I'm actually going to start with uh, Vanessa, Dr. Grubbs. Yes. Thank you so much again for having us on to uh, just shed additional light on this issue. Um, so this is our kickoff dem demonstration for Black Dot Village, which is um, uh, a new nonprofit that myself and um, others, including Dr. Curry, have uh, founded uh, for this particular issue. And uh, what we want to do is really disrupt this system, the system that keeps pushing out Black doctors at every level. And we're centering this particular event uh, around Dr. Curry, um, but... Um, because it is a, a you know a very out there event, but it's it's so much bigger. There's so many more people, and there's so much work that needs to be done. Because what we're looking at is uh, the assumption is that well, you know, they're getting pushed out disproportionately because they they can't do it because they can't make it, and people like to trot out MCAT scores and that kind of thing. And the reality is is. Uh, what is happening is that there are so many people, we, we're already seeing this really disheartening pattern where people, uh, something happens and then they get this spotlight on them and then they're called unprofessional and they're pushed out for reasons that their non-Black peers are, are just left to continuing on with their careers. And this is particularly devastating to the individuals because, and we're starting our focus with resident physicians because these are the most vulnerable um, uh, part of the, the larger population. Uh, uh, they are getting their entire careers derailed, some of them with more than $200,000 of debt, and they can't be a doctor anywhere. 
And for silly little things like uh, not getting your chart signed up on time or, you know, just just all of these disagreeing with a, a senior person is, is not OK. And we are about disrupting that. And we think way too many people um, just aren't aware of what happens. My, my sense is that most people think you go to medical school, you pass your test and then you're a doctor. But no, it's, it's not that at all. The system is uh, likes to focus on, you know, this pipeline of trying to bring more uh, particularly black and brown young people to medical school. But nobody is talking about how the, the system medicine in and of itself is actively like punching holes in this pipeline and pushing uh, young doctors out from medical school on up to throughout faculty. Uh, most of us have a story. None of us um, is unique. And what we want to do with Black Dot Village and with this campaign is really just uh, make sure that people are aware that uh, Black Dots belong. We matter. We are not just important for the Black community, but we, we, uh, we provide excellent care to all people. And the fact of the matter is, is that um, this system uh, built on this hierarchies of whiteness and white supremacy tell us that we aren't good enough simply because of the color of our skin. And so we're here to disabuse everybody of that notion. What I found so um, interesting about this um, report is the fact that during the pandemic, there was such a shortage in doctors and nurses there, I covered this throughout the pandemic. They were sending military members into these hospitals to help, but yet you're getting rid of the people that you have there already helping. It, it's really baffling to me that this is going on, especially with the dire need that we had for healthcare workers during the pandemic. Um, I haven't heard from you yet, Dr. Corey. What is your thoughts on this and, and what you guys are hoping to accomplish with your demonstration tomorrow? Uh, yeah, first, I want to highlight exactly what you're sharing. Um, there is a neurosurgeon out of Atlanta, Dr. Adewumi, who, as uh, Dr. Grubbs has already pointed out, um, was singled out uh, for, for his practice, was put on a performance review, and was ultimately terminated. He volunteered his services during the pandemic and was told that his services were not needed. And so instead of him providing care to uh, my hometown of Atlanta, he is in Guam right now. My, my hope in this demonstration is um, truly to bring awareness, to bring um, the regulatory agencies that are responsible for medical education, who are responsible for uh, our hospital and, and uh, clinic services, to bring them to account, because they sh should be responsible for all of the care that is provided. Uh, in the United States, and that means that they have to be responsible for the workforce. And we are not going to achieve health equity amongst our population if we don't also have workplace equity. And some of the important reasons why it's so important to have representation um, in the uh, healthcare field, for instance, some of the stats I found showed that black, um, black infant mortality rate is cut in half when they have black doctors. Also, black, white, male gap in cardiovascular mortality drops by 19% when you have black, uh, when black men see a black doctor. So it's in the healthcare in and in itself, it's so important because we're gonna see less deaths when you have a black doctor 
helping a black patient. So um, if you would like to expand on that more, I'd love to hear your thoughts. All of these organizations have comments about anti-racism, the importance of health equity, the importance of eliminating health disparities. But what we find is that there's a lot of lip service. If we don't have seats at the table, we're not going to be able to eliminate that health disparity. And the color of my skin should not predict the type of care that I'm going to get. And that should be across the board. It shouldn't matter um, if you're seeing a black daughter, doctor or not. But we're not going to be able to impact that until we have a seat at the table and, and until we truly disrupt um, the, the house of racism that medicine is built on. Mm. Dr. Grubbs, what's your thoughts? Yes, I, I, I would add to that by saying that, you know, you presented a few of the statistics and we see racial disparities across the board, just completely across the board where black people are doing worse than everybody in the country. But the one thing that I really want to stress is particularly about that study, the, the recent study that you mentioned about infant mortality. The, the thing that we're not talking about enough is, yes, babies who have black doctors, their mortality was reduced in half. But the white babies were taken just as good care of. So I think that's an important point that this is affecting everyone. And the fact that the system is pushing out doctors when we have a shortage, period, and particularly among the black community, 13% of the U.S. population is black. We have roughly 45% of the physician workforce is black. Uh, most people, most black people want a black doctor, but say it's really hard to find a black doctor. But yet the system is pushing us out over things that don't matter. You know, I could see if it was, you know, putting people in harm's way. But the studies are out there. They're showing time and time again that we practice good medicine. We are good doctors. And um, it's, uh, it's really something that we have to as Dr. Curry said, I want to echo to hold all these organizations uh, accountable for allowing the system to continually do this, uh, particularly at the resident physician level. There are billions of dollars that is um, poured into graduate medical education and no one is, um, is held accountable to making sure that these programs treat everyone equitably and that these programs are incentivized to actually graduate people instead of just recruiting them to their programs and then really derailing their entire careers. Hmm. So tomorrow you have the Black Docs Belong um, that's going to be happening. And from my understanding, it's not only a, a local protest, but it's also a national campaign as well. Can you tell our viewers a little bit more about that in case they want to get involved? Can they get involved virtually and where you're actually holding it in California in case there's uh, individuals that want to show up in person? And that's uh, for Dr. Yes. Corey, sorry. Corey, okay, okay, I'll be quiet. <laughs> so in person, uh, we're meeting at the Hilton in Pasadena. We're encouraging people to register online um, and, and register with Black Doc Village because our hope, again, is that this is not um, a one-off. Our hope is that oh, this is a campaign that keeps going strong as long as we continue to hear um, distress calls from, from residents, um, doctors who are in training. I, I think what's most important is to, to start having the conversation. Why is it important for representation? Why is it important for you to see a, a, a black doctor? Um, what are the dreams that you have for your own children who are interested in science and specifically medicine? We want to dismantle racism in medicine. We want to make it a safe place for people who look like us 
and we want to make it a safe place for patients to be treated. Dr. Grubbs, is there anything you'd like to add about what's going to happen tomorrow? Well, um, we shall see. I'm very excited about it. Uh, very excited about just bringing more attention to the issue. We really um, have no idea who's going to show up, but, but um, we're bringing the energy. And uh, what we're doing here is we're really just at the beginning of building a grassroots effort to get more and more people on board, more and more people aware, and more and more people to take action. Because, um, you know, I, Black Dot Village, the, our personal way of thinking about this is that we're about forcing change. We are about becoming a force to be reckoned with so that these uh, different places around the country know that if you want to uh, mistreat our young people, then you will have Black Dot Village to uh, reckon with. And uh, it, we're not about, you know, politely asking because that's, that's what we've been doing as um, individuals and other small groups for decades, centuries, if you will. So um, the time for things to change is um, long past due and Black Dot Village is committed to uh, really pushing, the, um, pushing the, the edge forward on this. And we just really want to get as many people on board as possible and have people be as active as they can be. And um, we know that everybody is not able to just kind of get out in the street and protest. Um, and we, but we have plenty of other ways for folks to um, engage as well. Please visit, visit our website. We're at black.village.com. Give us money, uh, sign up to be involved in um, various aspects and um, help, us, help us figure this out. We are just starting out, but um, we are committed to seeing it through. Uh, my hope is that someday we won't need a Black Dot Village anymore. Well, we shall see, and I wish you the best with everything that's going to be happening tomorrow. Thank you both for joining us and giving our viewers your input on this important issue. Um, on that note, though, we have to take it to a break. Right now, you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I challenge myself as an artist and challenge, knowing that I'm going to challenge the audience, right? So oftentimes you come into this business off of one project where everybody's like, ooh, ooh, you stand out. Okay, for me it was Barbershop, Ricky, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Ricky was nothing like me growing up, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> nothing like me growing up. But if that's people's first experience with you, right, as an audience member, they tend to think that's the real you, right? So, uh, you know, for me, after that, I got a whole bunch of offers to play roles just like Ricky, right? This Tupac-esque type of thug, right? And I just said no over and over again. And then you keep trying to do other things. Then I went through a, a series of romantic movies and romantic leads, and, you know, I always try to bring some sort of gravitas to those roles. And then it was like, okay, well, but before I get into all of that, let me hit y'all with, you know, for color girls and, you know, step outside of the realm of, you know, what you expect of me to do um, as an audience member in terms of being this romantic lead and everything. Because I didn't get into this business to be the romantic lead, you know, that dude. Like, I didn't get into this business. you can get locked business. in. You can totally get locked in.
When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are Black beyond measure. Don't you think it's time to get wealthy? I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show on the Black Star Network focuses on the things your financial advisor or bank isn't telling you. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. When we invest in ourselves, we're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing, creating, making moves that move us all forward. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. When you talk about blackness and what happens... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. 
HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. In black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause too long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037 dash. 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Hatred on the streets. A horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Hey, I'm Donnie Simpson. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. A black South Carolina homeowner cutting her grass was threatened by her white neighbor and his son who shouted racial slurs and yelled that he would murder her. I'm not making this up, folks. You'll only see the story on Roland Martin unfiltered. And luckily for Shirley Ann Montgomery, it was caught on video. And we have that video. Take a look.
Montgomery is joining me from Los Angeles for this Roland Martin unfiltered exclusive. I have so many comments on this. First and foremost, thank you so much for joining us, and I am so sorry you had to go through this. Yeah, me too. So, so the, the, first, the first point I wanted to bring up was, one, you're outside cutting the grass. You may have went in a little bit onto his property, potentially. Who complains about that? I mean, seriously, who complains about someone stepping on their grass? I mean, I, you know, uh, that's the first thing. And then to, for it to escalate to the point where your neighbor's son threatened to murder you, called you racial slurs. I heard monkey being thrown out during that tirade. And, I, and, and so I'm just trying to find out, is this the first time this kind of incident has happened? And then tell me um, a little bit about how it got to the point where we saw the video where the son was coming out and threatening you. Well, um, this is the first time that particular incident happened and, and got to that point. Um, I've had amicable relations as far as communicating with the neighbor. Hi, how are you? 
times where he was upset with the HOA and he wanted to uh, press charges against the HOA as far as filing a lawsuit and what have you. However, um, we have said hi off and on. And then the neighbor began to stop talking. So I stopped talking and I said that this neighbor was not um, very sane to me in his mindset off and on communication. So I just eliminated all communications. So I was caught off guard by his behavior actually. And so you said that wasn't the first incident or instance of you guys kind of, I guess, so to speak, butting heads. So when was the point where it got to this point where threats were being made and that's when you made the police report? So I, the only time like we kind of, I don't know if we really butt heads, he was a little bit upset because one of my neighbors, or well, actually a tenant, drove on the grass, which I agreed with him. That should have not occurred. I thought, you know, everything was good to go. That was months prior. I've never interacted with his son. So all of this was very fresh and very new to me. I became very, I guess, aggravated by his actions because he was bamming on his kitchen window at me. When his guy cuts his grass, they go over in my yard. Um, as you can see, the property line is very hard to define. It's kind of defined based on the different colors of the building. So if you could take that and try to walk your way out uh, onto the grass, you can see it's very blurred. Never ever have had any issues of such with any of the other neighbors actually. So I was caught off guard by his behavior. I've never talked to his son whatsoever. What was going through your mind that day? And I believe it was on August 6th. What was going through your mind? You're outside, you're cutting your grass, you're just trying to make sure your lawn looks great. And then he comes out and starts making these statements. Kind of walk us through that and what you were thinking and what you were feeling at that moment. So when I was outside initially cutting my grass, I was in a very good space. Actually, I was listening to Kirk Franklin praise. I was singing. I was really thanking the Lord just for my ability. Uh, his son actually came outside and sat at the table with his shades on and he lit a cigar, which he could do that. I don't care. I was pulling weeds at the time and I was determined that I was not uh, going to lose my focus whatsoever. And then I guess after I didn't say anything to the son or pay attention to him, he went back on the inside. And that's when the knocking on the kitchen window started. And my thing was like, what? What do you want? You know, um, leave me alone. Leave me alone, literally. So in my mind, I felt as if I was basically being harassed. And I did not expect for him to come outside. I expected for him to stop knocking. Uh, this camera has been on my properties for quite some time. So it's not like he didn't know he was being videoed. Actually, I used to have the ring say, uh, you are now being recorded. That was an issue for him. So um, being a neighbor, wanting to keep things in good space, I actually turned that part of the camera off. But I've always kept 
my cameras on. I've never had any issues with any other neighbor. Um, this particular neighbor, in my opinion, my mindset was, okay, you've told me before your family came from Germany. You told me before you lived in your mother's home. You asked about taxes. There were certain things he wanted to know that I was not willing to share with him. So his mindset, even in saying, which a lot of people throw that weight out there, he knew the sheriff, which I really didn't care, but uh, it was kind of like a white privilege thing to me. He had an issue because I had a nice sidewalk, which the previous owners had done. He had an issue because I have a garage with uh, an apartment on top where you see those stairs. Um, and that's where the camera is actually coming from, which is on my property. So uh, I'm not sure where all this came from. It definitely uh, aggravated my anxiety. Um, I'm, I'm a former veteran. Um, served in the army. Um, my son was assaulted by uh, the police. So um, not first encounterment as far as hostility or or um, issues based on race. And I do say it was racial. I uh, actually um, went to the Defense Equal Opportunity Management Institute, Daomi in Florida. So I, I understand what the system says, white privileges or how different people think um, and I'm not saying that all people are bad people, but in this particular case, this neighbor has an issue. And um, I became afraid, just going to be honest, uh, in real talk. Uh, I, I am a concealed weapon carrier. I've never really carried my weapon on me, but now I kind of do, wanting to make myself comfortable with carrying it. Um, I, when I get back to South Carolina, I'm actually talking with my counselor, possibly of getting um, a, uh, a dog that I can have with me, um, one, as protection, but then two, to also help calm some of my anxiety. Because right. I don't know. I mean, you can see where we live, right next door to each other. You can see this guy, he burst out and started yelling at me and calling me out of my name. I, I don't really know um, what his mindset is right. and what he will or will not do. Well, I can absolutely understand the fear of that because, again, you're just cutting your grass and you have someone running at you talking about they're going to murder you. Yeah, yeah. And then he turned around and he said to me that he didn't excuse the expression, give a shit. And so, bam, shit. Silence hidden in trauma. I guess he got a whole lot of trauma going on. Hmm. Uh, he didn't care. And after I got the police report, I learned that the officer, as far as I was concerned, was very biased. And he also was in the defense of um, the neighbor and his son based on me not responding intimidated by this particular neighbor and what he said. Now, we have the police report right here, and there's actually a line from the police report that I would like to read for our viewers. Um, we, do, we don't want to show it to protect our um, interviewee's privacy. Um, but basically, in the uh, police report, it states that Quote, due to the lack of ability on the part of the subject to carry out his threat, no further action was taken. <laughs> so yeah. this individual can come outside, threaten to murder you, call you racial slurs, and because he didn't act upon it, we're not, we're not going to take any further action. How did you feel about that when you filed this report and the police were like, yeah, we're not going to do anything because he didn't do anything to you? So... When the officer showed up, he told me that he had to talk to the neighbor as well, which I understood that. I understood protocol. Then um, he also, another officer approached and began to talk to him. That officer did not talk to me. 
Um, that officer did not say to me, hey, calm down, it's okay, it's a misunderstanding or any of that. So when I went to pick up the police report that following Monday, because I'm real serious about a restraining order, I don't know who they are, I don't know the mindset, I was caught off guard. Um, and I saw the way he wrote that report, I was livid. I literally burst in tears. Um, I literally felt that um, even though this guy threw things out there, that what he said, there may be some truth to that as far as who he knew. Um, the other officer, he did not talk to me whatsoever. And I'm, I'm, I've got some concerns. Um, I really, really do. Um, I have a, I'm walking truthfully in faith because I have a lot of faith. Uh, but I'm not, I know that God is not causing us to be stupid either. I know for a fact that I'm protected um, because I truly, I truly believe that I'm protected because had not there been interference by his father, I really believe that that guy would have come and caused me some harm. And I shared that also with the police. And um, I spoke with a captain or whoever after the fact, and they're like, oh yeah, 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 we understand. Just keep your cameras, blah, blah, blah. Um, but. I have concerns. Well, thankfully, you had that camera footage because we also have the footage of the neighbor saying that it's illegal for you to record him. Yeah. But then you have the police saying, no, keep recording him. So you, you have any conflicting things going on. Had you not had that video, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. So thankfully, probably, you had that as evidence. Yeah, pro probably not. Um, and, and again, um, the officers, because I was actually at the magistrate, office when this guy went and stood in front of the, the property line and started talking to my camera. And I immediately asked officers uh, if what I was doing was illegal. And they told me absolutely not. All he was trying to do was to intimidate me. And he's not going to intimidate me. I'm not moving. Let's bring in our panelists, because I'm sure they have plenty of questions to ask. Let's start off with Terrain. Do you have any questions for um, Ms. Shirley Ann? Ms. Shirley Ann, um, first of all, I want to say um, I'm very sorry that you had to deal with that, and I'm very sorry that you had to deal with the anxiety of a t an attack like that. Um, yeah, I got some questions. I got some things I want to say, but I'm not going to say them right now, But so I'll just ask you straight up. Um, how? What's the situation now? Have you, have you had any other run-ins with this individual, these two individuals? Have there been any kind of contact between you all? Um, so after the first incident, um, the second thing was, was when he came out and he, to me, took this position of or posture of attention. Again, I've been in the military or this posture of intimidation. And he says to me, um, um, you are illegally recording me and I am going to have a warrant put out for your arrest because you are trespassing on my property and you can't record me and my attorney will send you a letter. Thank you very much. And then he walks off with this militant or whatever posture. Um, so it's kind of been like church mice, quiet. Um, I have friends that are Caucasian who have who cut my yard. And so they said to me, when they get back, don't worry, we're going to cut your grass. We've cut it before. Nothing was ever said. So we're going to see what happens now. And it's, it's interesting that he has a African-American male who cuts his grass, who I wanted to serve allowed him to cut my grass. First time he did a good job. The second time he botched up my grass, but I didn't say anything to him. I saw it on the camera and it allowed me to believe that he was in cahoots with the neighbor 
because he never came back to me and said, ma'am, do you want me to continue to cut your grass or, or no interactions whatsoever. So, um, and then I took a, got on the plane, yay, to come support my son in uh, his film festival release of the short film, A War on Friendly Grounds, uh, King Jacqueline Martin, which of course the same Sheriff's Department, Richland County Sheriff's Department, Columbia, South Carolina, were the ones who came to my um, assistance to take the report. And I was very shocked to learn that this officer actually closed the report because I told him that I wanted to put a restraining on her. And I was like to this captain who sounded like me, okay, so what's protocol? Nobody never called uh, to, to reach out to me. I filed an internal affairs. I still have not heard from them. I don't know what's in my mail when I'll get back, but yeah, I think it, they just kind of brushed it over like it was nothing. But it is something for me. It is definitely, in a, it's in my mind. When somebody says to somebody that they're going to murder, murder you, I, I don't take that lightly. People lose their lives off of road rage, you know. I don't take it lightly. I'm a little bit on edge uh, for my family, for my children. I'm, I'm walking the course. I have neighbors across from me, but... Yeah, I'm concerned because I don't know when they'll come out or when they won't. I do plan to install another camera on the other side of the building, and um, I'm just going to make sure I stay in tune with myself. Torrain, did, did you have further questions? Yes, I do. Ms. Shirley, did you say that you were licensed? I am licensed to carry. And, and the strange thing uh, is, um, you know, I was not carrying. Um, because I know it's the person behind the gun and not necessarily the gun itself. But um, I went on a walk. I carried uh, just to, I'm working at making myself feel comfortable with uh, with this carrying uh, process. So I have a neighbor who also um, teaches the, the classes. So him and I are going to go back to the range and we are going to um, do some target practice. Yeah. And as okay, a veteran, you should be able to get that um, either discounted or for free. Don't ask me how I know that. But you should be able to get that for free. So uh, make sure you ask about that when you go to the range. Got it. Mm -hmm. um, Erica. Um, so first and foremost, um, I hope and pray that you feel safe where you are. That's the first thing that came up for me. And um, as everyone on the panel, you know, really... Um, our heart goes out to you for this position that you have to be in. And as a veteran myself, um, I salute you and thank you for your thank service. You. Um, that I, this I, is I, definitely I, not something. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. And um, I honor you and how you're standing in your faith, you know, one foot in the kingdom, but one foot um, in the natural understanding, the balance of both of those things. Um, I have some familiarity with Columbia, South Carolina, and um, can say to you that um, what you experience with regard to law enforcement is of no surprise. Um, they are lackadaisical um, from A to Z. Um, however, one of the things that I did hear you say was that homeowners association for where you live. So I'm wondering um, how you have navigated communicating um, a severe threat, you know, what we would say in the military would be a threat con delta. So I would consider this a threat con delta, especially with someone not only verbally attacking you, um, but to also issue a real threat 
Uh, how has the homeowners association, if you communicated this with them, been able to help to navigate um, maybe even removing, I'm not sure if he's leasing or if he's paying a mortgage there, but um, have they been of help with um, this hostile neighbor that you have that has issued a real threat to you and to your life? So I actually shared the video. Um, she was actually taken by surprise and um, she shared that she would take it to their legal team. Like I said, maybe a week or so after I left and I came to, um, to LA, I think that following weekend, I actually uh, flew out here or it might've been a week. Just kind of tried to keep myself busy. Um, still waiting to also hear back from them. The neighbors are aware. I didn't realize how how it really impacted me until the same day. Was it the same day? It was the same day. I was at the pool walking because I went to go to the association, not realizing that they were closed because it was a Saturday and it was like my mind just racing. And I, um, the, one of the neighbors, white female, she stopped and she talked to me and she said, I heard a whole lot of noise, but I didn't know what was going on. So I shared it with her. And there was this Caucasian male that was across the street and he stopped and he said, hey, I have no idea where this guy was, but he said, hey, are you okay? And I literally just burst in tears. One, for a couple of yeah. reasons. One, because I didn't realize how traumatic that experience was for me because, you know, we're all tough, hua hua, whatever. And yeah. the other part was that that man looked like the man who threatened me and he, he cared enough to inquire um, about me. So I had kind of mixed emotions going on with me um, at that time. When I get back, I do plan to do um, a follow-up. Uh, this neighbor told me some time ago that he was gonna put a fence up. I'm waiting on him. I wish he would put a fence up. Um, on the long side of um, my property uh, that you cannot see uh, is some vegetation like fruit or whatever. And I was, I said to him when he told me about putting up the fruit, um, uh, excuse me, the fence. I said to him that I wanted to plant, you know, some herbs or whatever. And he's like, well, you're not going to be able to get to it. Well, there's a meter over there. I'm smart enough to know that Dominion, uh, which is a um, uh, electricity gas company, has to have access to that meter. But I was a little bit taken back because he said no, but I didn't give him any reaction to his comment uh, as far as saying to me, no, he would not allow anything or whatever. I was like, whatever, got it, next. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it's your property. Do whatever the heck you want to do with it. If your property doesn't allow certain things, what I do know is that they have to access that meter. Put your fence up. In the end, it was like, that means I don't have to look at you. I don't care, you know? And that's my kind of my attitude. And what I, what I, what I have found growing up in America is when we take that type of attitude, it is the individuals who are uncomfortable in who they are that attempt to oppress and or intimidate someone else to change their mindset. Uh, Reese, I'm gonna get to you in one second um, and let you ask your question, but I wanted to ask um, Shirley Ann, um, just as far as uh, something that you stated, you said you saw an individual who looked like the man, and even though it wasn't him, you ended up bursting out, you know, bursting into tears and crying. I'm almost wondering if this uh, incident almost caused a sort of PTSD, so to speak. And oh, it was. Go on. You, you don't have to wonder. I'll tell you right off the bat, it, it was. One, because I didn't think it would happen to me. 
um, it happened to my son. And so I went through that experience uh, with my son, King Jaquel. Even when I went to the uh, film festival this past weekend to watch War on Friendly Ground, it was very, 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 very real to me uh, to rewatch that movie. It was like living it all over again. Mm. So, yeah. Well, as someone who's gone through trauma, um, being attacked, and who is a, a big proponent for going to counseling, um, I would suggest um, seeking out that only for several reasons. One, for your own mental health to help you, but as well as you'll have record that this incident, you know, that this incident caused you to potentially have this sort of distress. So that way, when you do take it further with the police or if you decide to take this to court, you will have record of how this incident impacted you, um, something you never should have had to go through at all. Um, and if you have a local vet center, I used to be in Columbia, South Carolina, there's the Columbia Vet Center that you can go to and they will see you. You don't ha even have to give them all your information. You just show up and say, hey, I need to talk to someone and they'll definitely help you. So I just wanted to offer that um, information. Um, on that note though, uh, Reese, uh, what are your thoughts? Um, first of all, Miss Montgomery, I'm sorry that you had to experience this. Um, I have to say, I do like your style. I liked your energy in that video. A lot of times we do, you know, put on the veneer of strength. And even though we're terrified on the inside, but I do appreciate how you conducted yourself by not backing down. Uh, one comment is, um, I would suggest maybe not you, because I understand how distressing this is, but maybe an ally, maybe a neighbor, um, checking their social media and seeing if they're saying anything about this to help use against them at some point. If it's a civil suit or uh, restraining order, you know, a lot of times these folks like to tell on themselves. So I would I would make that recommendation. And then the other, the question I have for you is, um, since you aren't getting uh, a lot of cooperation out of the police department, is there somebody in city government that you can reach out to, um, you know, to kind of enlist to help you uh, with getting more responses out of the police department? So I did speak with uh, my counselor. I'm big on counseling. I believe it, it helps us. Um, and so what she recommended was I reach out to Sheriff Leon Lott, send him the video. He may or may not be aware of what was going on. And um, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they'll respond because they will learn that I am the mother of the officer from that same department who assaulted my son. So that's gonna be kind of interesting. And I had a conversation with Leon Lott, um, had it on recording, don't know where it is, when my son's incident happened in 05. And what I understood was uh, what I said to him was very professionally is that officers are indicative of their leaders. Of course, that comes from my military background. Your, your soldier is indicative of how you lead them. And he probably took that offensive. And mm. it, for me, it was like a threat, like um, don't call the police department, don't come to the police department, internal affairs has it. And I felt uh, that if I would have went to that police department, he probably would have arrested me for some petty charge of, of harassing the police or whatever. So I kind of backed away a little bit, but the message was very clear. So we'll see how he will respond to me um, as far as I do, I promise you, when you all read, did the clip and then my address was there, I was like kind of cringed a little bit, but um, my my whole piece is one i know that god has me and two 
I just believe it'll work out for my good. And three, um, if this guy is not a part of the process of the end, and of course I know we can speed things up with life, then he can't touch me. And, and it's, also, it's a spiritual warfare from that, from that angle for me, uh, literally. Shirley Ann, I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today. I, I would hope that you would keep in touch with us and as uh, this story keeps developing and keep us updated on how it goes. But again, I'm so sorry that you had to go through this, even just as a woman in South Carolina, but also as a veteran having to yeah. go through this. You should yeah. not have to endure any of this. Um, and so I'm so sorry for that, but thank you for sharing your story. And I hope that you're able to get some justice and hopefully maybe their ears will perk up and they'll actually start listening now that you're, you're being outspoken about this. So thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Um, on that note, you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on Black Star. We're going to a break, but we will be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? 
It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. This is Diala Riddle. What's up, y'all? I'm Will Packer. I'm Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
doctors say both the mother and baby benefit from breastfeeding because it provides a lot of things like nutrition, immunity, and helps prevent diseases in both the baby and the mother. It also helps with depression, saves time, and money. And according to the CDC, 85% of white infants are breastfed compared to 74% of black infants. Also, 75% of new moms start out breastfeeding, but that falls to 43% or less after six months. Well, today is the first day of the 10th National Black Breastfeeding Week, and we have joining us Monifa Bandali, the Senior Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer of Mom Rising, and she is here to tell us more and the importance of breastfeeding. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thanks so much for having me and thank you for highlighting Black Breastfeeding Week. Uh, exactly. Well, we, we know it's important and uh, we want you to share with us what is so important about this, especially for new moms, you know, who are trying to debate on whether they should or whether they shouldn't. So I'm going to let you take a deep dive into that. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, you stated some of it. Breastfeeding has a whole bunch of advantages, right, for the mother, for the baby. Um, on the brain, on the heart, on the respiratory system. But more importantly, there's a direct connection between an increase in breastfeeding and a decrease in infant mortality. So we know that infant deaths go down the longer and the more women in our community breastfeed. So this is critically important for both of us. And quite frankly, like you named, Black mothers are less likely to breastfeed than any other demographic group in this country, race or ethnicity. And, and why is that? There is structural racism in place that prevents black women from accessing both initiating and continuing breastfeeding. I mean, we know, like everyone watching knows that black people work. But what some people don't know is that black women's participation in the labor force is higher than any other group of women in this country. And that workforce does not, it's not conducive to breastfeeding. We don't have protections in place. If people do need to pump, a lot of times it's in closets and bathrooms and cars. And also black women tend to have work and jobs that are less flexible, right? There's no paid leave. Um, there's no time off to leave and to pump or to go back and feed a child. So these structural issues are very real. And the United States still remains an outlier in having paid parental leave, right? So especially when black women who are 70% 70, 70 of black mothers are the sole breadwinners in their households, they are really motivated to get back to work earlier than other mothers. And when those protections aren't in place to initiate continue bre and continue breastfeeding, we see this drop off in this really, really critical practice that we need. Hmm. And, you know, I have a few friends who uh, breastfeed, and I remember, you know, as some, I've never had children, but, you know, I would always see them going into these rooms and pumping and, you know, having to sit there. And, I mean, luckily for them, they were still working while they were doing it. You know, they'd bring a laptop or, you know, be able to do work. But if you're not in a profession where you can sit down, you know, if you're working with machinery and things of that nature, it's not as easy to be able to do that, especially if you have to take so many breaks during the day to pump. You know, there's, there's a lot into it, that uh, a lot to it that people don't realize. One of the things I wanted to ask you, though, is w for those that are breastfeeding, what is the time frame of how long you do it for as well? Because uh, one of the stats that I just read stated that after about six months, 43% of women that are breastfeeding drop off. And, and why is that? And how long should they actually keep 
and continue breastfeeding their children? Well, you know, any doctor or scientist that's worth their salt is saying that those first six months are very important. That's a crucial time. But all the way up to two years, there are tremendous benefits for our children if we're allowed to breastfeed. And you know, you talked about women who are working in retail or in factories. There was actually a bill that was really close to passing called the Pump Act for Nursing Moms back in June that would have said, would have mandated that all workplaces provide time and a place for women and, and nursing mothers in particular to pump. And that bill was killed by Republican lawmakers during the height of a formula shortage. As some people forgot this, this summer, you couldn't even get baby formula on the shelves. And we had a bill that passed the House, um, and then it, was, it died in the Senate because it, it just couldn't get through. It didn't get enough votes. And so this is all in the backdrop of what we talked about before, which is that it's already structurally difficult for black women and mothers to breastfeed. Mm. If, if employers can offer a 15-minute smoke break, I don't understand why they can't offer a 15-minute <laughs> pump break. I mean, maybe the moms have to say, I'm going outside to smoke or something, just so they can get it. I don't know. But I'm just saying it shouldn't be that difficult. If you can give people a smoke break, then you can give a mom a breastfeeding break. Let's go on ahead and bring in our panelists and uh, see what questions they have for you as well. Uh, let's kick it off with Reese. Hi, Monifa. Thank you so much for doing this. I um, am a mother, and I breastfed, but you know, there's so much uh, stigma around pumping versus breastfeeding versus formula. And you know, we all know that fed is best. Um, I, sorry, I'm just going to soapbox for a second here. My experience, I was very lucky to have a very strong support system with my mother-in-law and my husband. And so for me, uh, pumping was very much a, a relaxing me time type of experience. And so I'm fortunate and privileged in that way. Um, but can you just talk a little bit about the benefits to mothers for breastfeeding as well? We know that there are benefits to um, to babies, but I know black women, for instance, have a higher instance of uh, uh, breast cancer. And so there are benefits in terms of reducing breast cancer and, and other things. So can you just speak to a little bit about that? Not to say that, you know, feeding the baby isn't enough, but we have benefits as well as mothers. We have tremendous benefits, and I'm glad that you named that piece about the reduction in the incidence of breast cancer. But I also want to point out something else you talked about, about how it was relaxing, about how mm -hmm. it was great me time. It also reduces stress. And another thing that's on the rise in this country is not just our huge maternal health crisis, which are like our physical health is deteriorating during labor and after, we also have a huge maternal mental health crisis. Um, mm -hmm. Women are experiencing postpartum, and of course, black women are experiencing postpartum depression at a higher rate um, than other women. And so breastfeeding helps not only the body, but also the mind. So we really have to open this up. And you know, I, I, when you touched on the stigma in the beginning, I just wanted to talk about initially, black women breastfed everybody in this country, mm -hmm. right? It was no stigma. All the babies, all the babies in the house, babies that had been stolen from other mothers, everybody would nurse from black women. This was, this was, uh, this was the role um, that we had early on, 16, 18, 16, 19 on up, right? And now, you know, you say, and a lot of, a lot of women say, oh, well, there's a stigma, breastfeeding in public. And so at some point we went from being the main nutrition source 
for all the babies in the immediate community to not having access to do that ourselves. And I want to name that even a lot of times when we were nursing um, other babies in the on these plantations, we also couldn't nurse our own babies, right? So in many ways, mm-hmm. it's kind of a continuation of that break between mommy and baby when it comes to black mothers. I'm sorry, I actually have a quick question as well um, in regards to the, the differences. So what's the disparities between either breastfeeding, um, pumping and feeding from a bottle, and then also using formula? I, I guess what, what are the, the distinctions between those two? Is one deemed better than the other? Or if you can explain a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I pumped as well. Um, I think that pumping is great. It is the next best thing. Of course, when we talk about the benefits, the mental health benefits that we are just talking about, pumping does not provide the same stress release of actually nursing the baby. So anyone out there who has nursed knows what I'm talking about, right? So there's that, there's definitely that distinction. But in terms of the milk that the baby is getting, it is great. You know, it is superior. It is designed just for your child. Your body is designing nutrition just for your very specific baby. It is amazing science and magic all together, right? And so that's very good. But we also know that people... I'm sorry, what did you say? Oh, no, we were just having some interference. Oh, okay. And But the, the other piece is that sometimes mothers do need baby formula. Right. So that infant formula shortage was a huge crisis in our community. One for the things we named, because a lot of us are back to work uh, at jobs, which will not allow us to pump or have access to our babies. But also sometimes people have medical issues why they have to feed babies uh, infant formula. So, yes, breast milk is the best thing. Pumping is just as good for our babies. It won't kind of give you that letdown of actually nursing the infant that you probably need postpartum, um, but it is something that is beneficial to both. Is the issue? Can I uh, can I say one? Can I just interject one thing? Because for me, I just want to say uh, pumping was way more relaxing. <laughs> because, oh, good. Um, yeah, because you know I'm 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 a data girl. I'm a numbers girl. So knowing exactly how much. I was pumping, knowing exactly how much my baby was being fed was a huge stress reliever. And then my daughter, when we, when I was nursing, she would nurse for an hour and then still be crying. I'm like, oh hell no! So you yeah. know, just for me, it was I'm, I'm an, <laughs> it wasn't as an emotional thing, but it was more of an efficiency thing and just like a control thing. So I, everybody has different experiences, and and I understand that there are psychological benefits both ways. But I, the reason why I brought up the stigma is because you know, on the mom, you. Know, uh, forums and message boards, there are people who get on their soapbox about, you know, nursing as opposed to pumping or whatever the case may be. So I just want to speak up for the pumping mothers out there. Okay, you're still doing your thing. <laughs> you are still doing your thing. Plus, plus, I pumped, I'm telling you. And at yeah. this week, Black Breastfeeding Week, we're highlighting all that, right? The pumping moms, the moms fighting to have access to breastfeeding. You know, this week was founded by an amazing black woman, Kimberly Seals Allers of the Mocha Manual, the Black Mothers Breastfeeding Association and Brown Mamas Breastfeed. So we've been like at the forefront of as black women pushing forth this week for 10 years, but we are pushing forward all of the stories. There is no wrong answer. Hmm. Monifa, um, a quick question for you. Um, Would the issue of the child latching on. Is that a big issue among minority women as well? And is that also impacting a lot of the reasoning for why a lot of minority women 
choose not to breastfeed? Absolutely. And in fact, one of the things that we name at Moms Rising is that we need greater diversity in the field of lactation. So when you go and you sit with an expert or you get a lactation consultant, it's very difficult to find someone who looks like you, who has the same cultural background, who speaks your language. And this is huge. And also we have something in this country called baby-friendly hospitals, right? And those are uh, hospitals that have a gold star for helping moms to do everything from take care of baby to latch on to making sure they're get, uh, having good birthing experiences and outcomes. And our communities are less likely to have these um, baby-friendly hospitals in them. So having access to these professionals that reflect us, we see that impacting whether or not black women breastfeed. Hmm. Uh, we haven't heard from Terrain. Love to hear your thoughts or any questions you may have. My mama didn't raise no food. I'm staying in my lane. And I'm just going to, um, <laughs> all I'm going to do is sit here and listen. Um, so, but I, the only question I do have is, um, what can men do who are um, in relationships with women who are um, lactating? How can we help and help, help assist the process? And that's all I got. <laughs> I love that question. And I think it's a really important one. Um, we actually find data shows that in our communities, women are more likely to breastfeed if it is something that is supported by and agreed upon with her partner, right? So there is this kind of like peer support, uh, I guess positive peer pressure, that when both parents feel like this is a good thing, right? There is no shame, there is no stigma. We're gonna work on this together. Um, mothers are more likely to be successful in breastfeeding. So men should support other men in saying, this, this is what these things are for. They are to feed babies, and I'm not going to let you feel shame or stigma when you're feeding our child. It really means so much. And so um, having those conversations and speaking up as men in support of breastfeeding does a lot more than some people think. Mm, that was an excellent question. I don't believe we've heard from Erica. Sure. So, Monifa, thank you for the incredible work you've been doing over the years. Uh, and uh, what, my question was going to be along with what was mentioned earlier with regards to um, babies that don't latch on. So maybe the mother chooses to pump or have formula. But in thinking about the political side of it, um, Medicaid expansion um, having been denied in several states, you have Republican um, governors that banded together and sued so that um, Medicaid expansion would not be allowed to um, a vast number of states, which disproportionately impacts black communities and then thinking about those black moms that are having babies. So for those women that are having babies, you mentioned the baby-friendly hospitals. Um, what kind of guidance is there available? Um, I love seeing the resurgence of doulas and you um, talking about breastfeeding week. Um, I'm loving seeing that now, particularly since you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned before that um, since um, being this country, we were wet nurses. Um, so could you share with the audience um, what kind of guidance um, could be um, provided for those moms that are maybe in communities that are rural or they don't have good health care, they don't have a really good obstetrician, to really give them guidance around breastfeeding and the different options that they have around that? Thank you. And that question is exactly why uh, Kimberly Sells-Allers created Black Breastfeeding Week, was to pull all these resources together 
and push it out on all the platforms. So people who are watching, if you go to blackbreastfeedingweek.org, blackbreastfeedingweek.org, you can open up a host of resources. There's even something called the MOCA manual, right? Because like you said, some people are in communities where not only can't they access a lactation expert that looks like them, they can't access a lactation expert at all, right? There's not one where they gave birth or, or where they're going for their follow-up. And so that's just the reality. So we're trying to put these tools and this information out there on all the channels that we have while we fight to tear down the policy barriers that prevent these hospitals and places where we give birth from having not only what we need, but what we deserve, right? We deserve this as black women, to have access to these lactation consultants that can get us started and can follow up with us. I mean, things that you see in other wealthy nations all the time, I get so frustrated, right? Paid parental leave, childcare, <laughs> doulas, midwives, <laughs> lactation consultants, we should have these things. We deserve these things. Um, and But while we fight for them, please go to this website and see what kind of support is near you or what some of the things that you can do just from reading and watching the materials there. Monifa, you actually made, uh, made a good segue into the question that I had for you. I want to ask you, what are some of the events that are coming up this upcoming week and how can individuals participate? Absolutely. So stuff is happening all over the country. Um, on the last day of Black Breastfeeding Week, which is the 30th, there's an amazing garden party um, here in Brooklyn, New York. You can see a whole list of events if you go to blackbreastfeedingweek.org. Um, you can also go to momsrising.org to share your story. We're constantly putting together storybooks to share with legislators to, to say, this is what your constituents are experiencing. These are the barriers that they have. This is why we need the PUMP Act and more. We absolutely need Medicaid expansion in the states that are rejecting it. Um, and that not only will it help you, lawmaker, but it will also help us live and our babies to live and to thrive. And, and can you explain to us a little bit why it's important that not just mothers uh, go to these events because this is you know this is an event you might want to bring your young children to to let them understand the importance of it and also kind of get rid of the shame of breastfeeding in public so kind of explain to our viewer why it's important that not only moms show up to these these events that will be happening over the next week we have to create a cultural norm you know um, I think some of the guests name it I was I was formula fed, right? I was born in the 70s. I'm a Similac kid, right? I mean, I was born during a time where women had to give birth, particularly my mother. She was a working woman, like her peers, and she had to get back in a few days, and they would give uh, women a shot, actually, to dry up the milk and send you home with a case of whatever formula that hospital had been marketed, right? And so that became the cultural norm. Black Breastfeeding Week, we're going to shift that. Everyone needs to see it, right? You need to breastfeed in public. We need to walk around and make sure that our sons and daughters see us breastfeeding, that our partners are just smiling like it's normal, you know, that our mamas, even if they gave us formula, that they're just like, hey, this is, this is what is done, because that's the way that we raise another generation of folks who then not only breastfeed, but fight for the accommodations for women who don't have the level of access that they might have. Mm -hmm. Very good point. One last question. Please tell our viewers one more time where they can find this information. 
blackbreastfeedingweek.org. That's blackbreastfeedingweek.org. And please also visit momsrising.org to share your story and to sign our petition about the PUMP Act. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, that was Monifa Bandali. Thank you so much. Um, also, I want to give a special thanks to our panelists who joined us today as well. We have Erica, we have Reese, and we have Terrain. Um, they gave some great input and had some great questions for our guests. So I want to thank you all for joining us tonight. On that note, we do have to end the show. I know you guys don't want to go, but I have good news for you. There's a show tomorrow, so you can always tune in and find out what's going on and hear from our great panelists. But until then, you you all have an absolutely wonderful night, and I'll see you all tomorrow. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. The cash app is sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is rmartinunfiltered. Venmo is rmunfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.